This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. Well, we continue our sermon series in the book of Proverbs, talking about the wisdom that it has for us in regard to families. And that's good because being a part of a family is difficult. Not one of us is an expert in interacting with our families. We don't get to choose who God places us with, that, that unit of people. And, and yet, within that unit uh, is, a, is a, a grouping that has such a strong impact on our lives, such a, a heavy influence. People that we care about, that we, that we care for, that we, we struggle to get along with sometimes, and yet we, we value those relationships so, so much. While many of us have had positive experience with family, there are many of us who also have had very difficult times with family. Maybe you, even this morning, have pain associated with that word. My goal this morning is not to focus on those difficult memories, but to learn from Scripture about what our interactions should be like as we strive to live together according to God's word, supporting one another, building one another up, living according to his will as the, the family that he placed together. When we think about what it means to grow in our understanding of, of being a family, I think some of the people who are most committed to, to growing in their contribution are parents. And there, there are resources for parents to use to develop themselves. There's books on parenting, videos on parenting, online resources, all kinds of things that parents use to, to gain a deeper understanding, to, to try and learn about how to do that job better. Sometimes parents, though, find themselves comparing their family to the families next to them when they're out in public, when they're at a sporting event, when they're sitting talking with another parent. They're comparing, comparing kids, comparing stories, comparing successes and failures. And sometimes that process of comparing can be overwhelming. They're wondering why they're not keeping up, why they're missing some special formula that makes families seem to work better or be more successful. Today, families even compare themselves with what they see on TV and sitcoms and on kids' television shows. I found out recently that there are, uh, there's a, a place online where young parents are complaining about the Disney show Bluey because the cartoon parents on television have set such a high standard of creativity and fun that young parents are struggling to keep up with what their kids love seeing on TV. They can't be as entertaining as the things that are designed to be entertainment. Go figure. It's such a, a high standard to live up to. I personally am a fan of the show. But when we, when we find ourselves comparing, what, what we discover is that we will always fall short of the image that we see in the lives of other people. And that's not because we are falling short. That's because what we're seeing on social media, what we're seeing other people present to us about their families is just the very edge of reality, and it's the very best edge that they have to offer. And the comparison we're making is a comparison where we understand all of our faults and failures, and we're comparing our faults and failures to the very best of what that comparison has to offer. And it, it really can leave us feeling defeated so this morning, let's take a look at the wisdom of Proverbs and see the positive contributions that we can make to our families. And while this sermon isn't 
entirely about parenting. We're going to begin with parenting because there is a lot that the book of Proverbs has to say about how parents contribute to the well-being of their children. We'll begin with this statement. It's the first point in the sermon. Wise parents take responsibility for their children. And the book of Proverbs teaches us wisdom. And the, the, the summary of what Proverbs has to say boils down to this. Wise parents take responsibility for their children. But there are many things that would cause parents to struggle with that idea of responsibility, temptations that, that pull them away. And the first is wanting to be a friend first and a parent second, of, of cherishing that relationship with a child so much that a parent is tempted to please a child, to gain affirmation from a child, and they want to be seen as the fun, permissive parent. And that is, it's a temptation to step away from responsibility so that you can foster a loving friendship before being a parent. The second temptation that parents face in the lives of their kids is that very often we want to live vicariously through our kids. We see in, in their lives opportunities that we never had. We see in them talent, skill, ability, personality that we feel like we didn't have. And it's tempting as parents to want to push them to, to attain the things that we never could. Maybe there's an empty place on your shelf where a trophy isn't sitting, and you hope maybe your child will, will have the victory that you never accomplished. Maybe it's popularity, and you see them getting along with a group of friends, and you're pushing them to, to build that status that you could never attain yourself, and you, you enable them and affirm them at the expense of developing their character or helping them grow in responsibility because you so long for them to accomplish the things that you couldn't. Book of Proverbs reminds us of the significant responsibility we have as parents. In the 22nd proverb, verses 5 and 6, we read these words. In the paths of the wicked are snares and pitfalls, but those who would preserve their life stay far from them. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Now, maybe you remember another translation that said, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Similar words reminding us of the importance of setting children on the right path, of teaching them how to take those steps, developing the habit of staying on that path and not turning away from it. When, when our boys were toddlers, we moved here to Finley. And at that time, we were struggling to sell our house in Kentucky. And the housing market was difficult, much like it is today, not quite as difficult maybe as it is today. Uh, but when we came to town, uh, a, a wonderful couple from the church here at Parkview offered to let us stay in their home. They, they spent their winters in Florida, and they said, you're, you're new to town. I know you're trying to find a place to live. Why don't you, why don't you be guests in our home? We're not there. We're going to be in Florida. Just stay for a few months, get your bearings, figure things out. And, and it was a wonderful arrangement. It helped us out tremendously. But one of the things we noticed is that we were going to have problems having toddlers be guests in the home of someone else. Their, their downstairs living arrangement uh, was, was laid out in a circle. And, you know, if you've got a, a house with a circle and you've got little boys, they're going to run laps around that circle, chasing each other, playing, being especially rowdy. And one of the rooms that was situated in that circle was a dining room. And along the walls of that dining room were ceramic plates, very fancy ceramic plates, and little metal holders, little metal brackets hanging on the wall. Like one wall, just like 20 plates in a row. 
In the corner was a little hutch with glass doors, and inside that hutch, salt and pepper shakers, ceramic. There's a collection they'd had. They'd, they'd been gathering through their married life of you know, places they'd traveled, just probably hundreds of salt and pepper shakers. And it's the kind of room that you walk in, and, and if you have you know, heavy feet or you bounce a little bit, you can hear glass kind of rattling. You know, you know that room in your house that you know, it, it shakes a little bit, and, and there, you know that if you do too much, something is going to break. And so while, our, while we were staying there, my wife had, had to set some boundaries for our boys and say, this room is off limits to you. Now, that's a, that's, that's a difficulty, especially when there's that, that joyous loop to run around. And, and she would have to very specifically tell them not to go in that room, pick them up and turn them away from that room when they were getting close. And she, she developed this phrase for them, turn and walk away. She'd see them walking toward that room. Stop, turn and walk away. And it was a phrase born out of necessity. But think about the value of learning that habit in the life of, of little boys. You see something you want that you know is going to cause problems for you, turn and walk away. As they grow older, developing that habit of seeing something that's a temptation, knowing the danger that's there, turn and walk away. It's been a valuable tool to have as part of the path that they are walking on, to stay on the right path and not stray onto the wrong path. Now, we look back at the, at the Verses here from Proverbs 22. I've always liked what verse 6 tells us about the importance of, of starting children off on the right path, uh, of knowing that down the road they're going to have decisions to make. And if, if, the, if we've reinforced that path at the beginning, it's more likely for them not to step off that right path, not to step off into another path, but to stay on the path that we set them on. But as we pair verse 5 with that well-known verse 6, we realize that the path that they would step on if they get off the path has a lot of dangers. Now, we expect the, the road of life to be bumpy. It's not going to have smooth pavement all of the time. There's going to be gravel. There's going to be some potholes. The life is going to be uncomfortable when we drive on that difficult road. But there's more to this road than we expect. There are snares and pitfalls intentionally laid out on the road to keep us from moving forward. This is the work of Satan in our lives, to steal, kill, and destroy, to keep us from progressing on the path the way we should go. Intentional snares, dangers to keep us from moving forward. And we think about setting children on the path they will not depart from. That very clearly is an indication of a spiritual path that we need to help them learn, of, of helping them come to know and love the Lord, to develop a faith of their own, to have a true and genuine and authentic relationship with the Lord that will carry them through the difficult moments of life, that we would set them on that path and see how their feet carry them along that path that they do not turn from as they grow older. And we think as parents about how we can help make that happen, about how we can reinforce those decisions and build those positive habits in their lives. And we recognize the value of thinking toward the future, of imagining for our children the life that we want them to have, the character, the quality, the faith, all of the things that we, we hope that they will become. And then we begin to work backwards 
and make decisions that will help them become, help them fulfill that, that image, that they would grow closer to the Lord and reflect His character. And we begin here and now making sure that our rules, our boundaries, our consequences encourage them toward the development of everything that we hope to see in their future. And we begin a very intentional style of parenting, not just reacting to the situations we find ourselves in, because that's really what parenting is most of the time, finding ourselves in, in, in a situation that we could not have predicted, that we would never have guessed would happen, and just figuring it out the best that we can in the moment. But what if we coupled that reactionary response with a very intentional set of boundaries, a very clear and consistent set of boundaries and consequences that would help our children grow in the Lord to become the people that we want them to become, and we set along that path goals and victories for them to attain so that they're encouraged in the process. That's intentional parenting. It's a parenting that helps us see the value that's in the future and, and train our children up to accomplish it. It's a course of parenting that requires a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer for your kids, a lot of prayer for yourself, inviting God to provide the wisdom and strength that you need to train your kids up to set them on the path that they need to be on. It also requires you to walk that path ahead of them and to be an example of what you want to see in their lives. That path that they should be on sometimes is, is hard to discern when you're a young person. And if they can see the footsteps where you have walked that path ahead of them, it will be much easier for them to follow, much easier for them to accomplish what you hope they will accomplish in the future. It also requires discipline, positive reinforcement, clear boundaries, and clearly stated consequences that you will follow through on. One of the movies that taught me about parenting is Jurassic Park. I know that sounds weird. Not, not the, one of the many Jurassic Parks that have come out recently, but the original Jurassic Park movie. You think back when John Hammond made this island with dinosaurs on it. And the insurance company said, no, it can't, be, it can't be an amusement park. And so he invited two experts to come visit the park, Drs. Grant and Sadler. And they traveled to Jurassic Park, and they began this tour. And when they got to the Velociraptor enclosure, they met a man named Muldoon, a very wise man who understood animals. And he told them about how they feed the Velociraptors. You remember that scene? You think back to that old, old movie? They're standing around this pen, and the there's this pit dug into the ground with concrete and metal and electrified barriers over the top. And the, the barriers roll back, and they lower this food into the pen. And you hear horrible sounds and the foliage just shaking. And then the, the sling comes back up without, without the food on it, and it's just torn to shreds. And he says the, the, older, male velocir or the older female velociraptor is training the young ones to attack the 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 boundaries of their enclosure, systematically checking for weaknesses. And I thought, how, how very clearly that describes the cunning, clever capacity of children to consistently test the boundaries, to, to press against the rules and the barriers, to find weaknesses, to find loopholes, to find the places where you aren't aware to find the things that you aren't being completely consistent in, to find the moments where you're a little bit too tired to check on what they're doing and to follow through on the consequences you said would come. 
And every time they find a loophole, they step farther away from the boundary that you've set. Every time they find that, that little lapse in awareness, they're pushing, stretching, testing those boundaries. They come by it honest. It's a natural tendency in our lives to, to press, to push back. And as parents, we need to be intentional about boundaries. We need to be clear and consistent. And we also need to be clear and consistent about the consequences that come when those boundaries are breached. Proverbs 29, beginning in verse 15, says this, A rod and a reprimand impart wisdom, but a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother. When the wicked thrive, so does sin, but the righteous will see their downfall. Discipline your children, and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Look with me at, at verse 15. A, a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother. It's, it's interesting that Solomon would think very specifically about how a mom would feel when, when kids are undisciplined. Now, now, dads look at kids and they, they see ways to improve. Now, that, that didn't work so well. Let's do better next time. Moms see kids and, and they feel very personally the success and failure of what their kids are doing. And my wife told me about this. I'm not, I'm not very insightful about, about moms and about uh, my wife, but I'm glad that she's very clear in helping me understand things. This is very beneficial. When a mom sees their child reacting with emotions and words and behaviors that, that are clearly out of line, a mom feels that failure personally. They're not disgraced necessarily by their kid's behavior. That disgrace is a personal feeling that they haven't done the right thing at the right time. And that's a very difficult response to overcome of feeling personally responsible for what your children are doing and will continue to do it in their lives. The book of Proverbs tells us that the wisdom that, that helps us overcome that is, is clear discipline. And we've talked specifically over the last few weeks about the, the dual-sided teaching of Proverbs, that it teaches us about standards to, to strive for, and it teaches us about the, the dangers that come when we fail so that we're warned against that prospect. The teaching we provide to children has to include that same kind of duality, of setting standards for them, but also being very clear about where the boundaries are and the consequences that will come when they step past those boundaries. And the book of Proverbs teaches us about how we train our children, disciplining them, by adding this idea of, of physical punishment. And throughout the book of Proverbs, you'll read this word, the rod of discipline. And that very specifically is speaking to physical punishment. Now, you could explain it away, talking about figuratively any kind of discipline, but if we're to understand the Scripture accurately, we need to acknowledge that peace is a part of this teaching. Now, that's, that's instruction that, that flies in the face of what you would hear in the world today. Our, our modern thinking about parenting, our, our progressive ideas about what's best for kids is clearly saying that you should not 
use physical discipline to train your children. They need positive reinforcement, positive reinforcement, positive reinforcement. And they do need that. But they don't just need positive reinforcement. There's a difficulty that we face when reading Scripture that we all have to face at one point or another. When we read something in the Bible that, that confronts what we think is right, when it confronts our preferences. It's the same difficulty that we have when we read truth in the Bible that confronts the popular opinion that we would hear about in the world today. And we have to ask ourselves, how are we going to respond to this thing that, I, that I'm reading that I don't like? How am I going to respond to this thing that I'm reading that I don't know that I really agree with? We have a decision to make about what we will do with that information. Will we allow it to inform us and shape us and live according to what we read in Scripture? Or will we trust the collective opinion of social media and the world around us to inform our behaviors and our decisions? Will we impose our preferences onto Scripture, use our worldview to shape our understanding of what the Bible says? Or will we allow the Bible to inform our worldview and help us determine our, our beliefs help us develop our moral compass, help us to understand the kinds of decisions that we need to make. And ultimately, it's a decision we have to make about whether we want to live according to our own will or whether we're willing to submit to God's will. Now, this is a, a, a small thing, but, but the point is made when we think very clearly about beliefs, about uh, things that are accepted morally in our culture today. And we hear from God's word something that stands in the, against what culture is telling us. We, have, we are faced with, with a very important decision. This thing we're reading about is about physical discipline and the, the need in the life of a child to have very clear, appropriate boundaries and consequences when those boundaries are broken. Now, I want to be very clear that Scripture is, is not stepping across the line of abuse. There's a very distinct line between discipline and, and abuse. And this is a difficult conversation on many levels because of the history that many of us have dealing with the devastating effects of abuse. And even as we talk about parenting, this topic may be a reminder of pain in your past, maybe a reminder of difficult things that you haven't completely recovered from personally. And that pain might even make it difficult for you to associate the image of God as a heavenly father because your home life was so difficult. But the good news is that God's image as heavenly father is a perfect image of what a father's love should look like. And even if you have been through unspeakable things, God can and will redeem that image of father in your life loving you unconditionally, helping you understand what that relationship should be in your life and how you can grow through submitting to that relationship with him. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 say this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. God loves us delights in us. But that delight is not a permissive delight, giving us, encouraging us, empowering us to do wrong. 
It's a delight that includes boundaries and discipline that help us live the way that we should. And we relate to God as our Heavenly Father. And, and when we think about what parenting is and how we learn to be better parents, it helps us understand our relationship with God better. It helps us understand what He is doing in our lives, leading us and guiding us and creating boundaries according to His will for us to live by. And we all need those boundaries, whether we want to admit it or not. We need those clear, consistent boundaries, and we need consequences in our lives to help us stay within those boundaries. Think about what happens when you step outside of the boundaries of God's will into sin. The very best thing for you is to experience immediate consequences so that you will understand you are out of bounds and you need to step back within those boundaries. When there are no immediate consequences, when you step outside of God's will into sin and nothing happens, we all have the tendency to rationalize that moment and say, that wasn't so bad. I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't experience anything negative from what I just did. Maybe I'll see what else is out here. And we begin pushing against those boundaries, testing systematically for weaknesses, finding ways to exploit the system so that we can pursue temptation and desire. And what we need is clear, consistent discipline that helps us step back within those boundaries. I was a parent. When we are clear and consistent with our children, we're not only helping them live the life they need to live and stay on the path they need to stay on, we're also helping them understand who God is. And our children develop their understanding of God through the lens of how we parent them. Because God is a heavenly father. And they associate how God will treat them based on the way we treat them. They, they associate how God responds to their behavior the way we respond to their behavior. And that's not fair to God because we do things wrong all the time. But we have to be careful because there's a huge responsibility laid on the shoulders of parents to represent the love and the image and the character of God as we care for our children. Now, that's a lot that we've said about parenting. Let's, let's read more about what Proverbs says to the family. Let's hear what, what Proverbs says to children. Wise children respect their parents and listen to them. Now, that's a difficult thing. But it's what wisdom teaches. And this lays a burden on parents to be respectable. To, to be the kind of parents that kids can respect, but it also lays the burden of responsibility on kids. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 5 says this, a, a fool spurns a parent's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. One of the difficulties that children have in listening to their parents is the struggle with authority. It's a struggle that we all deal with in life. Children, especially face this struggle head on. We all have a desire to choose the authority that we will submit to. It's part of our, our nature. We want, we want to choose. And most of us would choose to submit to our own authority instead of any other authority that would be imposed on us. We don't want someone else telling us. We don't want to have to get permission. We don't want to have to check. We, no, I want to make my decisions. I want to live my life the way I want. But that's not the way we're called to live as Christians. 
In fact, throughout the Bible, you'll, you'll consistently hear a message from God's Word that says we need to submit to every authority that has present in our lives in this world. The authority of government, the authority of parents, the authority of figures who are over us in this world, bosses, principals, teachers. Authority has been placed in our lives to teach us not only about what we should do and help us be accountable, but also to help us understand how we respond to God as our ultimate authority. And the better we are at responding to authority that's imposed in our lives, the people, the better we'll be able to respond to God's authority. It's a, it's a natural chain of events. And we've all been placed under the authority of, of parents. And we've learned or are learning how to respond to their authority. And, and that role reminds us about our relationship with God. As his children, learning to live according to his will by submitting to his authority, choosing to accept his lordship, allowing Christ to be king of our lives, submitting to God. It's a battle that we face. The same way kids battle against the authority of parents, we battle against the authority of God and submitting to his will. It's a matter of, of allowing God a seat on the throne of your life. In order for there to be room for God to sit on that throne and rule over your life, we have to move everything else that we've ever put on that throne off so that that seat is available for God to take. And each of us have placed something on that throne. Maybe for you, it is, it is a, a career that you have held high, one that you're currently in or one that you're striving to attain, and you are living your life to accomplish this goal in your career, this title, this position, this, this level of income, and you are making all of your decisions about, about attaining this, and it takes the place of that throne because it's what you're living for. It's defining your decisions. Maybe... For you, it's not a thing you're striving for, but it's a person. And you've allowed a person to have that seat on the throne. And you are longing for the affirmation from a father. Maybe you're longing for the affection of a spouse or, or someone that you would like to be in a romantic relationship. And you place them on that throne and you make all of your decisions based off what you think will please that person. And before you can submit fully to God, you have to move them off of your throne and begin submitting to him. Maybe... As a parent, you've put a kid on that throne. It's more common than you think. Maybe, maybe in your young adult life, you thought being a parent would define you in a way that nothing else could. And so now you're living your life for that child. Maybe you struggled becoming a parent. And through those years of struggle, when you finally were given that blessing, you decided that you were going to live your life cherishing that child that God had blessed you with. And you began from pure motives, but you've, you've discovered maybe that you don't like that some of the decisions that you're making because you know that you are empowering and enabling that child in ways that you probably shouldn't. That's healthy to help kids make decisions and grow in that responsibility. But when you defer entirely to a child, you empower them in ways that you are unhealthy for them. What we need to do is to take back the throne that we've surrendered. Clear it off. 
so that God can rule in our lives and submit to his authority again. We get in the practice of doing that by submitting. And, and kids, we do that with the practice of submitting to our parents, of listening to them and offering them respect. Proverbs 23, beginning verse 22, says this. Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she's old. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. <laughs> Parents have so much experience that we can learn from, so much great advice, and their instruction, encouragement is all rooted in that experience they have. And, and what we need to understand is that it's intended for our good. It's hard to listen to parents, whether you're a, a little child or whether you're a grown adult with grown parents. It is difficult to listen to parents. And I don't know why we have trouble thinking that our parents want what's good and what's best for us. But we all struggle with that, that authority in our lives. It, it begins with toddlers. As soon as they learn the word no, there's a struggle for authority. When they become preteens, then attitude is added to that, that assertion of their will. When they become older teenagers, they know everything. They know the best way to do everything. And any suggestion you make is preposterous. How, how would you even consider the thought that you could tell me how to do that better than I'm doing it? And then they get into their 20s and move out on their own. And sometimes they get a dose of reality. And they begin to discover that they actually don't have all the answers. And they desperately want the comfort of having a parent. They desperately want the advice and the experience that you have to offer. But, but not always. Sometimes that lesson is learned through the school of hard knocks. And it's going to take a while for them to open up their ears and open up their hearts. But the more we listen, the stronger our bond grows with our parents. The more we invite their input, the more we listen and trust what they have to say, the, the deeper that relationship will be and the more fulfilling it will be for both of us. And we will become a joy to our parents when we listen, when we respect them. Now, we're not finished learning from Proverbs as a family. There's more wisdom for us to learn from. Another generation, as we hear about what wise grandparents do, wise grandparents invest in the future. Proverbs 17, 6 says this, Children's children are a crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. For some reason, after you've grown up in a household with your parents, and then you have kids, it feels like the people who raised you change significantly. They become suddenly these permissive, free-for-all kind of people. The rules fly to the wind. Sugar is available for anybody who wants it. The world is a very different place suddenly than, than the home that we grew up in. It's almost like grandparents delight in sugaring up their grandkids and sending them home with you to deal with the hyperactivity and then the angry 
grumpy crash that comes when that sugar wears off. It seems like grandparents delight in seeing you struggle raising little ones who are just like you. Finally, revenge for all of the things that you did as a child. Because you're having to deal with this little one who is putting you through the things that you put your parents through. Think about the unique role that your parents play in the life of your kids. And grandparents, think about this role of responsibility that God has placed in your life. When your kids have kids, you have this incredible opportunity to invest in these little lives and help them grow to love the Lord. You become another set of people who will love these kids unconditionally. You become a trusted resource capable of reinforcing the values they're learning at home, the characteristics, the morals that parents want their children to develop. You become another safe place to provide answers when kids have questions. And they will have questions. You think about the prospect of what it is for kids to have questions that they're afraid to ask. Where's the first place a kid's going to ask those hard questions? To a group of friends? We've met their friends. They're going to they're ask adults around them, teachers, coaches, maybe, hopefully, someone, a Sunday school teacher at church, someone who's involved with the youth group. Maybe they'll ask their parents, but there are some questions that kids are afraid to ask mom and dad. Grandparents have this unique role in the lives of their grandchildren to be a trusted resource. And there's a unique bond that forms between kids and their grandparents. Even when teenagers don't want to talk to mom and dad, for some reason, their hearts are open to grandma and grandpa. Maybe it's all the cookies. Maybe it's all, all of the time spent playing games. Maybe it's all that, all that permissive freedom they had as toddlers. For some reason, grandma and grandpa become this wealth of information. And for those who have invested in the future, who have fostered that relationship, there is this unique opportunity to, to reinforce and build and guide these young lives to accomplish everything they're capable of, the full potential that God has placed in their lives. As grandparents, you can be an anchor to your grandkids. Even when you don't understand what they're doing, you can be present. You can love them unconditionally and help them grow. You can reach them in ways that no one else can and through your unconditional love, reflect the love that God has for them in their lives. That's an important role that nobody else can play. Now, we've looked at different aspects of family, different generations. Let's look at the family unit together. What does Proverbs tell us about who we should be together as a family? Well, Proverbs teaches us that a wise family cares for others. Proverbs 27, verse 10 says, Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family. Do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. Now, we're meant to care for our families, yes. But the wisdom that we read here is that our family unit can become such a blessing to the world around us. And when disaster strikes, where should we turn? Should we call someone far away that we're related to, or should we look to the people around us? You, as a Christian family, can make an incredible impact in the world around you. You think about the neighbors that you have. How could you bless their lives and build your relationships with them, if you would open up your doors, invite them over, 
for a cookout. Talk to them about what's going on, their, their joys, their struggles, their pains. Be a listening ear. Care for them and support them. Imagine what, what God could do through that relationship as you make them feel like part of your family. Think about the friends that your kids bring home, even the weird ones. Think about how great of a blessing you could be in their lives by treating them like they belong to you. Think about how desperate some of those kids are to be loved unconditionally by a parent, to hear encouraging words inside the walls of a home. Think about how desperate some of them are for a full cook, home-cooked meal and the kind of blessing you can be in their lives by just being a parent to them, maybe where they're lacking that strength and support, how, you could, how God could use that relationship to reach them to grow them, to help them become what he intends for them to become. I have had the blessing of, of experiencing this in my life. When I was a teenager, my friends' houses were open. I, I spent time there talking to my friends, talking to their parents. When, when my wife and I started in ministry, as a young couple, hours away from family, there were, there were families in our church that said to us, we know that you have to be here at church on holidays. It's not easy for you to get home. If you're ever here and you can't see your family, there's a place for you in our home. It's Thanksgiving. It's Christmas. It doesn't matter. We want you to be with us. And there were holidays that we spent with, with families in the church and their extended families, people we'd never met before. And they made us feel like we belonged. We have that opportunity placed in our lives to use our family, to use the, the love and the relationships that God has given us for him, for his kingdom, to make an impact in this world. And God is calling us to, to take that responsibility, to, to build our family in the best that way, way that we can from whatever perspective we come to, whether we're a parent or a child or a sibling, that we would build up our families and encourage them in the Lord and that we would use every part of that opportunity to reach the people around us with his love. And he will do incredible things when we submit our families to him.